Welcome to Keeping Secrets. I'm Veer Koto. Keeping Secrets is a web series produced by Dating Kinky about the intersection of kink and privacy. In this series, we'll be talking about the hidden dangers, hidden allies, and practical steps you can take to protect yourself and your community. We give you the information and tools to make informed decisions that are right for you. These webinars are recorded live and then released as a podcast. So if you're interested in participating and you're comfortable sharing, you can join us for questions, just like these amazing people are doing here tonight. I am your host, Veer Koto. I am a geek, a kinkster, and a privacy advocate. You can check out my very outdated website at veerkoto.com. You can email me at veer at veerkoto.com, or I'm on FetLife as veerkoto, all one word. The opinions expressed in this series are my own. Your mileage may vary. Consult your doctor if after taking my advice, you have an erection that lasts more than four hours. A couple of weeks ago, award, I'm sorry, Emmy award-winning New York One meteorologist, Eric Adam, shown in the photo, was fired from his job after leaked photos of him on a gay website were sent to his employer. In other words, this victim of revenge porn was fired from his job. As people who express their sexuality and kink in a public forum, we are often caught between wanting to express our erotic needs and the knowledge that if the information about us got out, it could cost us our friends, our families, our Ah! Sorry about that. Can you all hear me? Uh, just let me know. Okay. Can hear. Sorry about that. I'm going to start that part over. Okay. So as people who put their, uh, express their sexuality and kink in a public forum, we are often caught between wanting to express our erotic needs and the knowledge that if the information about us ever got out, it could cost us our friends, our families, our career, or even custody of our children. But despite that, most of us put more and more of our information online where we could easily become the target of exactly the kind of exploitation that Mr. Adam was subject to. And that's what this series is about. It's about the intersection of kink and privacy, because as more of our lives go not only online, but in the hands of companies who make money off of buying and selling our information, and that means our most intimate thoughts and, thoughts and experiences, we are especially vulnerable to what might happen if someone found out about us. And that brings us to risk. And risk is something that the, the kink community spends a lot of time talking about. We take an action and we understand that the risk to our, we understand that that action has risks to ourselves and our partners. The challenge is that with the information about us stored electronically, not only do we put ourselves at risk, but anyone whose information we have is also put at risk too. So that's why this topic is so important because we as a community, uh, oops, okay, because we as a community need to do better about demanding uh, privacy from uh, our friends, our community leaders, and ourselves. And um, yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. When we when we store sensitive information, um, we need to take not only ourselves but our our friends and our our uh, I want to say our loved ones, but the people that we care about into consideration. And as a community, we've been incredibly lucky so far. Um, there hasn't been a huge leak of information about the kinky community as there has about um, other communities. But with our current practices, it seems inevitable that a data breach affecting kinksters will happen um, if it already hasn't happened and we just haven't heard about it yet. So if you've read anything about online safety and security, you've probably come across the word encryption. And encryption is just a way of encoding information 
so it can't be read by anyone who isn't meant to read it. And we're going to talk tonight a bunch about encryption, what it means, and why not all encryption is the same. Before we do that, though, let's cover exactly what encryption is. In encryption, we start with data. And this, is, this data is what cryptographers will call plain text. Um, but plain text doesn't have to be text. It could be uh, documents. It could be emails. It could be photographs, audio, it could be anything, but we call that plain text. What comes out the other end is called ciphertext, and that's unreadable stuff that comes from the encryption process. And the reverse of that is decryption, where we start off with ciphertext, and then a decryption algorithm, or maybe we call it a program, is applied. And what you get back is your original plain text. So again, that's your um, Word document, your photo, or whatever. So there's a lot <laughs> that we're just going to gloss over here. Um, and I'm sure that if you have thoughts or comments that you want to share in the chat uh, about, you know, more complicated or more in-depth topics like, you know, symmetric versus asymmetric encryption or key encryption or different key lengths or different algorithms and all that, um, you know, you can certainly put that in the chat. But tonight, we're just going to cover what we need to discuss this topic and just understanding this basic under uh, this basic framework of understanding encryption as plain text goes in, an algorithm is applied, you know, and cipher text comes out, and then the reverse of that is decryption, cipher text goes in, an algorithm is applied, and what comes back out is um, plain text. And in the meantime, cipher text can't be read by um, anyone who doesn't have the, uh, the key to access that information. And I hope that's clear. Um, and if it's not, um, we'll, have to, we'll have to discuss it more. So a term that you may see a lot if you ask uh, if a service, say an online site, uses encryption is, they'll say, they'll often say something like, well, we use transport encryption. Or sometimes they'll say, industry standard transport encryption. Uh, and transport encryption uh, is what the little S is when you see HTTPS or the little lock on your web browser address. And it just means that the communication between your web browser and that web server is encrypted. And if it's kind of like if you put your letter into a sealed envelope, you know that the man, the mailman can't read it, but that the recipient can. Um, and so nowadays, most web traffic is encrypted, uh, is encrypted during transport or has transport encryption. In fact, most web browsers today will actually pop up a little warning message if the website isn't encrypted. And I'd consider transport encryption to be the absolute the absolute lowest level of expectation that you can have about your data. So um, it's the it's the kind of bare minimum of of protection, and uh, you should expect it at this point. Um, but unfortunately, this term gets misused by a lot of people because when you when they hear encryption, they think ah encryption is security, right? So um, if, if a site has transport encryption, that must mean it's secure. And in fact, um, back in the 90s, uh, when I was first doing IT, the term for a, a web server that did encryption was a secure server, right? So we would talk about having a secure server. But, but secure didn't mean um, private. It just meant uh, that it had transport encryption. Um, so the, the problem with transport encryption is that it by itself doesn't say anything about what happens once the information goes onto the server. So let's stay with our envelope, envelope analogy. Once the envelope is open, we don't know that they're not photocopying our information and sending it around. Um, we don't know if they're storing it safely or not safely or whatever. Um, we know that nobody can read the, env the, the letter while it's in the envelope but once it's uh, at the company, we don't know what happens to it. So let's talk about encryption at rest. Uh, 
Encryption at rest is the idea that information that's stored on the hard drive on the server is stored encrypted. That quote at rest part is in contrast to the in transit that we just talked about. So we talked about you know, transport encryption. This is at rest encryption. So it's the data is not moving. Um, let's talk, let's use our envelope analogy. That is hard to say, envelope analogy. Encryption at rest tells us that the company is putting our information into a sealed manila envelope before they put it in the filing cabinet. And it's good. It's, it's better to have encryption at rest than just plain transport encryption. So that's one step up is having encryption at rest. So let's talk about some services. Uh, let's, let's make this real. So you're probably familiar with Google. Right, Google has a number of online services that store files, um, and the ones you're probably familiar with are Google Photos, Google, Google Docs, and Google Drive. Um, and if you've paid attention to the series, I talk a lot about Google. Um, and Google makes their money by getting information about its customers, including reading their emails, going over their chats, and other, other things like that. And using Google is, in my opinion, basically the opposite of privacy because they actually mine your data for information about you. And on a technical level, yes, Google has transport encryption. They have the bare minimum encryption, but they don't use encryption at rest. And if you dig into their documents, they say that. We don't do encryption at rest. Uh, they just, just use transport encryption. And oftentimes a company will not say we don't do encryption at rest. They will just say, well, we just, we do transport encryption. Or again, they like industry standard transport encryption. Um, and that just means they're not doing it, right? It's, it's, um, sorry, my, My headset is going crazy tonight. Um, headset is just going nuts uh, tonight, so we'll have to just deal with it. Um, let's just make sure that you can all hear me. Okay, great. So, sorry about that. It's uh. It's going to be one of those nights, I think. Maybe the uh, the people at uh, Google don't like this. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, Microsoft, right? Is uh, Microsoft any better? Um, you know, the Microsoft services that you probably have heard about would be Microsoft Teams or Microsoft Office 360, or is it 365? Anyway, Microsoft, same as Google. Uh, they they do no uh, they do no encryption at rest. They do only transport encryption, and they're they're pushing their customers uh, to also start storing everything in their cloud, as they call it, the Azure cloud. Um, again, uh, they uh, it's really it's really no better. So, uh, oh my slides are a little bit messed up here, uh, but I and I don't have my Apple slide. Uh, but we'll talk about Apple anyway, because it's the, I think it's the biggest question that most people have, which is um, if I use uh, Apple and iCloud, is that better than Google and Microsoft? Um, and the answer to that is yes. Uh, Apple iCloud does use at rest encryption, and that is certainly a step up from Google and Microsoft, uh, but still not as good as it could be. So let's talk about that. <laughs> And let's talk about zero knowledge encryption. So when we talked about at rest encryption, we said that it's just like taking our information um, from a sealed envelope that we got in the mail and putting it into another envelope before storing it. And that means that um, a person who is, uh, you know, let's say going after the company 
uh, you know, they've broken in. They can't get into the sealed manila envelopes that are inside of the uh, filing cabinets because these are special sealed envelopes, right, that can only be opened with special keys. Um, but it still means that the person in the mail room, the one who opens up the envelopes and puts them into the manila, the other manila envelopes, right, so goes from one envelope to the other, they can still read the contents of the letter. We really want, ideally, is that only the people we specifically want to be able to read our data can read it. And this would look like a message that's encoded with a secret decoder ring sent in a sealed envelope. And then it's opened up, but it doesn't matter because even the person in the mailroom can't read it. They just put it in another sealed envelope and store it. Or if they send it on to someone else, yeah, they're going to seal it. But even if someone were to break into that envelope, they wouldn't be able to read the contents. So that's that's kind of the highest level. That's called zero knowledge encryption, and uh, that's what we want. So if you've been to any, you know any of the other webinars I've done where we've talked about end-to-end -end encryption, you can think of zero knowledge as basically for the purposes of tonight as similar to or the same as end-to-end -end encryption. There, there's a little bit of technical distinction, um, but we don't need to dive into that, into all those technical details. To understand that what we want is zero knowledge or end-to-end uh, -end encryption of our data. So let's go back to our Apple analogy or our Apple discussion. Um, iCloud is encrypted at rest. It has transport encryption and encryption at rest but it's not zero knowledge encryption. Apple can read your files. They have the keys to read your data. Um, and that's why they're not as ideal um, as I think they could be. What about Dropbox? Well, Dropbox works nearly identical to iCloud. Your files are encrypted in transport. They are encrypted at rest, but Dropbox can read them if it wants to. And they've shown that they can do that by working with law enforcement in the past. So law enforcement says, we want access to this data. Dropbox says, sure, we can work with you. We can decrypt the data. So, you know, they're not any better um, in, in, well, they're better in some ways than Google, but um, for really being secure, they're not quite there. So what about Evernote? Well, Evernote also does offer encryption, just like Dropbox, um, but it, it has the ability to read your notes. Um, and again, um, using Evernote or using Dropbox is better than, let's say, Google Keep or Ulysses, but it's not as good as the other offerings that we'll be discussing. So let's talk about some good ones. How about ProtonMail? I'm sorry, Proton Drive by the makers of Proton Mail. Is it zero knowledge? And the answer to that is yes. Proton Mail has transport encryption, encryption at rest, and is zero knowledge. It's also open source, so let's discuss what that means too. Ideally, we want our software that we're using to be open source, both the server and the client. So what is open source? Open source means that anyone can have access to the source code. They can read the source code. They can audit it. They can find and correct bugs. It's a very high bar of security. It's a, it's a very high bar of trust. And ProtonMail does check that box, meaning that it's a good choice for storing sensitive documents, at least in my opinion. Um, and, you know, in the examples that we've talked about so far, we've talked about the idea of sending your information to a third party to store it. But with many of these open source programs, these open source options, you have the, op you have the option and the opportunity to self-host. And self-hosting is kind of like instead of going to a restaurant or getting takeout, you cook it yourself. Now, look, if you're completely non-technical, this is probably not going to be an option for you. But, you know, we're part of a kink community. So, and that community organizes into groups. Um, you probably or may have a kink group uh, in your area, you know, your town or your city. And a lot of times these kink 
groups become um, you know, uh, recognized uh, organizations and they have an IT person or an IT team. So, uh, and that's not surprising because many kinksters are also geeky. Um, and with these geeky kinksters, uh, they're already doing some kind of self-hosting of maybe the website or email or some other program. So this idea of self-hosting should be pretty comfortable to them. And when we're talking about um, storing data about kinksters, I think that that's really what we should be going for. I'll talk about that a little bit toward the end as well. Um, so this part I'm going to aim toward uh, people that want to self-host, but also um, some of these options will also have the ability to uh, do you be able to pay someone for hosting. So let's talk about CryptPad. CryptPad is a lot like Google Docs. It has a document program and a spreadsheet program, and you can edit your documents in real time in collaboration. So just like Google Docs, uh, more than one person can be working on the same document at the same time. So CryptPad has transport encryption, encryption at rest, and zero-knowledge encryption, right? So it's that highest level of uh, security. It's open source. Uh, it is self-hostable. And um, you can also, if you want to pay for it, uh, you can use, uh, you get extra features, um, extra storage, and a few other things. Um, and it's not that expensive. Um, I have to tell you, I use CryptPad quite a lot. Um, it's, it's a great program and uh, highly recommend it, um, either using, using their storage or um, self-hosting. It's a great option. Another program uh, that I think is worth looking at is SyncThing. Now, SyncThing is a little different than some of these other programs that we'll be talking about tonight, because in SyncThing, there is no central server. So you can think of it like Dropbox, but without the Dropbox server. All you do is you install SyncThing on your computer or your phone. Um, and by phone, I think. I don't know what's going on with my uh, with my mic tonight. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so you install uh, you install this thing on your computer or phone, and then you can share between them. Uh, all the data that's synced between your uh, devices and encrypted in transit, and there is no server to store it on, right? So it only gets stored on your your desktop and your laptop or your laptop and your phone. Um, but here's the cool part. And first of all, that's already cool. And it works either locally, so on your local network, it works across the internet. Um, and let's say you did want to store it on a server. It offers at rest zero knowledge encryption. So if you want to store your data on a server, or even better yet, on let's say a friend's computer, you can they can give you storage on their computer, but they can't read your files, right? So this is this is great, and I I love SyncThing, and I I, I use SyncThing um, quite often to sync files between computers, um, between my computers. I have multiple computers, but between them, between my phone, um, and I have also used it to sync files uh, with friends. So love 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 SyncThing. Uh, Joplin. Uh, Joplin is a notes app. It is very similar to Evernote, but what makes Joplin special is that it can use a variety of different backends and it supports end-to-end -end encryption. So encryption and transport at rest and zero knowledge. So here we have a program that's a lot like Evernote, um, but it's not even tied to one particular backend. Uh, it's, it's great. I don't use Joplin, but I, I know people that do. Um, great, great tool. Nextcloud. Nextcloud is sort of a Swiss army knife of online tools. It does file synchronization like Dropbox. It has a photo gallery. It can do real-time document collaboration. It has a calendar. It has all kinds of other features. And it supports end-to-end -end encryption, right? So transport, at rest, <laughs> the whole deal. Um, there is a downside of Nextcloud. Um, so Nextcloud, the company doesn't offer hosting, and they make that a conscious decision on their part. So uh, they say, look, if you want to host this, 
uh, go find a hosting company or host it yourself. Um, there are lots and lots of companies that will host Nextcloud for you, uh, again, or if you're an organization, um, that's something that your IT team can certainly easily do. Um, I use Nextcloud for my business, and um, I do think it's a little bit much for, let's say, a regular person to install, um, but uh, I think for an organization, it's really not a very high bar. Um, if, if a person, a regular person was just looking at Nextcloud hosting, um, I would recommend that they just um, find a hosting provider and let that hosting provider uh, do that work for them. But um, again, if they're part of an IT team, this should be no problem at all. Let's talk about Etsy Sync or Etsy Sync. Etsy Sync is a set of tools to provide encrypted data synchronization across devices. It is fully open source and supports all the encryption technologies we've discussed, as well as being both a pay service and also self-hostable. Um, so for the geeks among you, and I know there are some, uh, EddieSync is built around, built around a technology called EddieBase, which is an offline-capable, fully encrypted database. Um, and that's actually pretty exciting um, for the geeks uh, among us, which means that, uh, and I'll, I'll give some buzzwords out for the geeks, um, it is designed so that the uh, the database on a local device can be synced up to another, to a server, or even multiple uh, devices can be synced up with eventual consistency, all while the data is encrypted. So uh, it's pretty cool, but I will tell you, I tried their free trial on their website, and even as a geek, it was a little bit unclear to me how to get started without some, without some help. So uh, if it was challenging for me, it might be challenging for you. I eventually did get it working and uh, it might one day be amazing, but I honestly felt like this, this thing was a little bit unfinished, like it needed some more work. Um, but I did wanna mention it because I think the technology in it is, is really interesting and cool. Um, and maybe it will uh, be a little bit easier to use uh, going forward, who knows. So let's talk a little bit about another one, Stingle. Um, I've been focused a lot on written documents, but I think for the kink community, photos are very important. Um, so Stingle is focused on photos and short videos. Um, in a lot of ways, it's meant to replace Google Photos and they have an online, um, uh, free online tier for up to one gigabyte of storage. And then you have to pay for it or self-host it. Um, I think that is extremely reasonable, um, and it is also designed around zero knowledge. So um, really uh, good design, designed around uh, photos, which again is something that I think a lot of us care about. So uh, check that out. And uh, crypt.ee is another app. It's similar to Stingle, um, but it has support for documents uh, meaning text documents, it does tag searching, um, and it has other features like you can create documents right from the service. Um, and it looks very cool. I didn't have a chance to check it out, but it looked really cool. And if I was looking for a tool to replace like Evernote, um, I would take a serious look at crypt.ee. Um, it also, again, it's open source. It supports end-to-end -end encryption, um, has all of that. So um, lots and lots of options for you. And, and I realize I'm just kind of throwing out a ton of options, but I just wanted to give a nice, simple, quick overview of, you know, don't do this, do that. Um, but let's, let's talk about our responsibility, our personal and our community responsibility. As kinksters, we know that we have to be responsible for our safety, right? Whether that's being a good bottom or a good top or a good dom or sub, or just being a good kinkster generally, um, we know that we take on a lot of personal responsibility when we do kink. And part of our responsibility means that we have to take care of ourselves and we have to take care of our partners. And taking care means that we have to put in extra work. Right? You can't say, oh, I take care, but I don't really do anything. Um, no, if you're taking care of people and then include yourself, you're going to have to put some work into that to keep yourself and those around you safe. And in my view, that 
extends to your privacy. Because, you know, if you've got information about people, and that could be photos, documents, um, you know, contact information about other people, that, inf you know, and you've got that on your phone or your PC, you know, that's potentially dangerous information. That could be used to harm them. So you've got a responsibility to keep that information safe for them as, as much as for yourself. And I think that kink organizations also have a special role in our community. Um, kink organizations are considered the stewards of our community, um, both historically. Uh, I am apparently not good to the mic. Hopefully this is better. Um, is this, I hope this is better. Can people still hear me? Okay, great. Um, so, you know, they're stewards of our community, that, and as stewards, they contain a lot of information about the people in our community. Um, oftentimes, kink organizations have our wallet names, they have our addresses, they might have things that we've done, so if we've presented what we've presented, um, payment information, um, all kinds of information. And I know this because I've been in kink organization and, uh, you know, in kink organizing. And I know this information is stored about people. I know that information about what, you know, who we are and what we do and our scene names and our, and our wallet names, all of that is information that kink organizations have. And as kinksters, we must demand better from our leadership around privacy. And part of my goal here tonight is actually talking about um, is about that. It's about storing uh, files, documents, spreadsheets, and photos in a way that preserves um, it preserves individual privacy. I'm, I'm getting a message here um, that something might be wrong. Um, okay, so um, sorry about that. So that they're so blah, blah, kind of thrown off here a little. Sorry. So <laughs> I apologize. As kinksters, um, you know, we know and I know that that kink organizations are storing all kinds of very sensitive information about us. Um, again, they're storing our, you know, scene names our FetLife names, our wallet names, maybe our age. Um, they're storing our interests sometimes, where we've presented, what we've volunteered for. Um, and sometimes they're storing things like photos, right? Photos that they might use for promotional materials, but that information might also have information about us personally. And in my view, kink organizations have a special um, responsibility to treat our personal data with the utmost care. And I can tell you that I know for a fact that that just isn't happening in a lot of kink organizations. And there's really no excuse for that. Um, I'm showing here tonight that there are lots and lots of options for information about, um, sorry, for document storage and collaboration to be done in real time. So same as these big companies, but without compromising security, right? So a kink organization that's choosing to use Google Docs or Google Spreadsheets for all of their membership information is not doing right by their community. And I'm just, I strongly believe that um, if you're a kink organizer, if you're a kink organizer and you're storing who went to your events and their wallet names and everything else in Google Docs, you're not doing right by our community. And I think as individuals, we we, we can, we absolutely must demand better from our kink, uh, our BDSM leadership. And we need to do that before something happens, not after there's been a big event and all of our information is out there and we say, we demand better. No, we need to do that before it happens. We need to make sure it never, it never happens. Um, and so that's my big take home, right? You have a, you individually all have a responsibility to make things better. 
um, and I'm empowering you with the tools to do that. And uh, <laughs> go forth and make the world a better place. Um, so with that, I'm going to talk a little bit about our sponsor, um, Dating Kinky, the organization that makes uh, the company that makes all this happen, that uh, allows me to be here. And then we'll do questions and answers. So please stick around. I'd love to hear your thoughts, your questions, your uh, everything you have to say. And, um, and we'll do that right after uh, this quick break. <laughs> so let's talk about it. This, this series, Keeping Secrets, it just wouldn't be possible without the support of Dating Kinky. Dating Kinky has been incredibly supportive to me in helping me get this information out to you all. And now I'm going to I'm going to uh, go the other way. and I'm going to talk to you all about their offering, uh, Dating Kinky Plus, and why I think it's a really great deal. So if you're here, you've you've made it. So I know for some of you it's very late. So you you've made the effort to come on and listen to me and participate in this event, presumably because you care about kink education, and whether that's this series on privacy, whether that's learning BDSM skills like rope, flogging, fire play, needle play, or it's soft skills like how to be a better dominant right? How to understand yourself and your submissive better, how to be a better submissive, how to understand the needs of your dominant and be better in your service, um, whether that's relationship skills, like you know, knowing how to listen and how to communicate better, um, non-monogamy skills around issues of needs and communicating needs, and jealousy, and all of the other issues that can arise. Um, you know, if you do care about that kind of education, if you do care about this kind of series and you want to learn more, well, that's where Dating Kinky Plus comes in. Dating Kinky has a ton of webinars, just like this one, that you can watch or listen to. And their library of kink educational material has hundreds and hundreds of hours on so many topics. Things like being a newbie in the scene, power exchange, communication, non-monogamy, mental health, and other series like this one right here on kink and privacy. And joining Getting Kinky Plus also gives you access to books. Who doesn't love books? And these have these books are pretty fun, like the Big Book of Ass, FLR, Fendom, and Women in Charge, and Next Stop O-Town. Right? So these are not boring books. These are exciting, fun books. And if all that, that educational material wasn't enough, you'll also get access to additional features in the Dating Kinky app so you can find someone to connect with. So you get all this amazing content, you get all of this educational material, you get books, and you get access to extra features in the Dating Kinky app. So that's a, that's a great deal. And how much is it? It's only $9.99 a month that's American, um, when you sign up for month to month. But, and by the way, $10 a month for all of that is an amazing is an amazing deal. I don't think you're going to find a much better deal, except the better deal is if you sign up for six months or a year. If you sign up for six months or a year instead of month to month, you're going to save an additional 40% off of that. So it takes the deal from being a really great deal to being an incredible deal. So if all of that wasn't enough to get you to sign up for Dating Kinky Plus, by signing up for Dating Kinky Plus, you're also showing your support for this series. This is the this is Keeping Secrets with me, Vir Koto. And by signing up, you're showing that you care about kink education and kink privacy. So all good reasons to sign up for Dating Kinky Plus. Um, please sign up today with that. I'm uh, going to open it up for questions, comments, thoughts, concerns. So please put them in the chat. And I'm going to go read the chat and try to keep up um, with what you all have said. Um, so, dun, dun, dun. so uh, yep, please join uh, the uh, Privacy Conscious Kingsters group. That's a group that I moderate. I'm going to put that right in the chat. Um, so, and I want to thank uh, AP for, for mentioning that earlier. So thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Um, Capo says, I have a nice voice. Well, thank you, Capo. I really appreciate that. Um, let's see here. Uh, AP says, question to answer later. I've occasionally seen not secure next to the URL bar. What does that mean and how do I fix that? That's a great question. So when you see not secure, that means that the there's no transport encryption between the server and you. And the answer is there's nothing you can do about that because uh, it's like it's like how do I dance? How do I dance this uh, or you know how do how do I do this couple's dance alone? You can't. It has to be between two people, right? So uh, if a server is not secure, they need to be secure. Um, and that's almost always on them if you're using a modern web browser, right? So uh, Mr. Bright says Proton Mail. Eh? I will give it a look. Well, actually, it's Proton Drive is their is their drive. Um, so um, check out Proton Mail, but also Proton Drive. Um, so uh, let's see. Me says you mentioned Dropbox working with law enforcement. Apple has done that right. Has done that too. Right, and I believe they have, but I was more easily able to find mentions of Dropbox. But I am pretty sure that Apple has also worked with law enforcement. And yes, uh, you know, me continues. I mean, obviously, Google and Microsoft have two, but Apple has a slightly more privacy-respecting company as uh, as it does encryption at rest, um, and that's true, right? So uh, Apple does tout privacy as one of their their biggest features. Um, but they have worked with law enforcement. Um, it, it's also worth mentioning that Apple has started to um, put money into their advertising. So uh, advertising is an area that, that Apple, um, you know, they do make some money off of, and it's a growing part of their business. Um, I do think it's something that we should have a discussion about on the series um, because it is a growing part of their income stream. Um, but yes, going back to law enforcement, yes, they have worked with law enforcement. And while, again, they're better about privacy, um, we should not assume, you should not assume that anything you put um, on Apple is, you know, somehow magically secure. Okay. Yep. I know. I know. I have been, uh, I'm having audio issues tonight. I've never had this with this headset and I would normally just reboot this whole computer, but can't do that while I'm, I'm on with you all, not live. So uh, Capo says, uh, you're welcome. Well, thank you, thank you. It's very sweet of you. Thank you, Capo. Uh, I have a question. I'm using things like Google Docs and everything you mentioned. How can I convert quickly and easily to keep my privacy? You made really good points about these sites not being as secure. So um, this is a great question, right? It's, it's, it's easy to say, oh, use this, not that. But you're like, wait a second, I've got years of documents. Like I can't just, can't just up and leave, right? Okay. So um, Capo, I don't think you've come to any of the previous events. So uh, I'm going to probably be a little repetitive for folks who've heard me before. That's okay. This is a process, right? Um, it's like saying, well, how do I become healthy, right? You can't just become healthy, right? You, you know, you're, you've, you've been unhealthy all your life. You, you know, you eat junk food, you don't exercise, you, uh, you do all the wrong things, you don't sleep, um, you know, and then you're like, how do I just become healthy, right? Well, you, you can't just in one day, but you can start, you can start, right? You can, you can start to pick up new habits. So here's my here's my thinking on this capo. You you do a couple of things. So you find one of these these services, right? One of these services that I've mentioned, or these programs, and you start using it day one, right? You say, okay, I'm just going to start using one of them, and maybe you don't convert all your old documents. Maybe you just start with one of them, and you get really comfortable with it, and you say, okay, this is good, or oh, maybe I'm going to try a different one. I don't really like this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna start a different one. And now it's like week two or three, and you're like, hey, this is this is pretty good, right? Like, or or maybe, oh, this has got some quirks, but I understand the quirks. Or you you found something that works for you, great. Now, go document by document, right? Um, maybe if that if the uh, site has the ability to export, 
you export. If the site doesn't have the ability to export, maybe you just do a copy and paste, right? Um, but you, you start there. You just start simple. And one day, and then as you go, delete the document from the from the old site. Now, uh, when I say delete, you know, Google never actually deletes stuff, but you're you're not changing what Google has at this point. You're changing your own habits. And then one day you're going to say, you know, it's funny. I still have that Google account, but I don't use it at all. And that's great, right? Now you don't. Now you're a free agent. And if you want to delete your Google account, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Um, but that's that's where you're now empowered, right? You're you're now empowered in a way that you weren't before. So that's my recommendation. My recommendation is how do you do it? You do it one at a time. You get really comfortable. You don't make rash decisions. You you start off and you do it incrementally. So uh, I hope that answers uh, the question. Um, Blue Wagon asks, am I familiar with ERP, Enter Enterprise Resource Planning, uh, Google extension? I am not. Uh, familiar with that. I've, I've heard of it, but I don't know what it does. And I don't, so maybe Blue Wagon, you can tell me what it does and we can try to find a replacement. Um, Rosie for Thorn says, do I consider FetLife verification unsafe for mass user info? Sorry if this question is out of place. I'm trying to follow. That's a great question, Rosie. Um, so we did a whole episode a few months back on FetLife and FetLife privacy. And I totally suggest you check that out. I'm going to put the link into the chat. Um, so that would be datingkinky.com slash keeping secrets. Um, so if you go there, you can listen. You can watch and listen to that whole uh, episode and where I go into their privacy policy. I go into stuff about their verification. Um, and I go into a lot of depth. It's probably actually one of the longer, uh, it's one of the longer episodes I did. So um, totally check that out. Um, I'm, I'm not going to give you a short answer because I, I would like it. I'd prefer it if you went and uh, downloaded the whole episode. But I'll, I'll basically give you the, the, the answer. And the answer is no, it's really bad. <laughs> um, so yes, don't, you know, ver pet life verification is bad. But please still listen to that whole episode. Um, now that I've told you the, the you know, I've, I've given you the, the money shot, please go, please go uh, watch all the, the buildup. Uh, Proton Drive, uh, early access uh, program is full. Uh, space may open up later. So not your anything says that uh, Proton Drive is full. Um, and that's unfortunate. But um, I think it may be open to customers. So if you're a Proton Mail customer, rather than on their free uh, tier, they might open that up, but also um, it is also full, um, sorry, self-hostable. So again, your kink organization can simply host this thing. Um, so ask your, your kink org's IT department to offer that. Uh, Capo says that uh, they haven't, I think that means they haven't heard that episode. Um, and, uh, oh, no, no, that was something else. Um, so the capo says that I'm appreciated and I appreciate you capo. Thank you. Uh, Rosie, uh, Rob for Thorne says, thank you for the explanation. This makes sense. Awesome. I'm so glad I could be here to help you. Uh, Andy, thank you, Andy. Uh, Rosie for Thorne says, thank you so much. I will definitely listen to that. You, you appreciate, uh, you taking the time to share knowledge. Oh, thank you so much, Rosie. Um, so I know this is one of the shortest, uh, episodes I've done um, because I, you know, there's not a lot here. Um, we could talk in detail about how encryption works. I don't think people really want that, but we could do it. We could talk in detail about um, how uh, you know real-time document collaboration works. I don't think people wanted that either. I'm trying to save you all from the, the nitty-gritty details of this stuff, um, but we could we could always geek out on it if you want. Um, but if there are no more questions, then let's stop for tonight. We can still hang out for a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk to you just a little bit about the next month's event, uh, because I usually put it up, but, um, 
it will be, uh, and I forget the title that I that I put up, but it's basically uh, the topic is if you're doing virtual kink, right? So what we back in the 90s, for those of us who were alive back in the 90s, um, we used to call cyber sex. Um, I'm pretty sure no one calls it cyber sex anymore. Um, we, we would probably call it virtual kink. So privacy and virtual kink. So if you're on uh, one of these sites, uh, how do you keep your privacy if you want to explore your fantasies and you're not going in person? Uh, remote kink, ooh, that's a good one. Remote kink sounds better than virtual kink. Um, although, you know, AP, you bring up a good point, which is what is the intersection of remote kink and virtual kink? Right, so I'm thinking about things like um, online toys. Um, so I think of remote toys as being uh, remote kink, and virtual kink would be something like, uh, you know, let's say a 3D program where something is happening to you or you're doing something to someone. Um, question? Yes, AP. I'm always happy to hear your questions. Of course. There's a delay, so uh, you all hear nothing while I uh, while I wait, but that's okay. Um, but this is a good this is a good opportunity to say this is what we're um, uh, going to be talking about next month. Get if you have any last thoughts, questions before we stop the recording. Now is a good time. Um, yes, I will be sure to bring up. Uh, secureness or insecureness of remote hacking of control remote control toys because that's a very important aspect so thank you for um, for reminding me to do that AP so with that I'm going to stop the recording but um, for anyone who's listening later we will still stay here for a few minutes um, to hang out and have fun so that will encourage you to come next time um, and join us live but of course, uh, you can always listen to these uh, post-event. So let's stop.